Welcome to Church Unscripted this week. Um, we're glad that you're here with us. My name is John, and I've got Pastor Eric, Pastor David with me. Um, we're just starting a, a Christmas series called Resounding Joy. I'm really excited about that. Um, David has sworn me that I will not sing on this podcast, so I won't this week. That was week, actually your wife. That was my wife too, yeah. So we're just excited you're here with us. If you have not subscribed yet, please um, subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the episodes go online. Um, and comment below or like our post here. Um, we're excited that um, we're able to talk about this. And we just started this new series. So Eric, can you kind of unwrap... Okay, that's great. Oh, oh that no, was a pun. No, no. <laughs> Unwrap the sermon this week. <laughs> what the hell looks like? You were planning on saying that. You were like, I can't I've wait to say I've been waiting for that. Oh, man. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> so the, the series is really uh, based off of, I mean, if it was a longer series, we would have brought in a lot more Christmas hymns. But what I thought would be a fun conversation is to take some of these Christmas hymns we're all familiar with and then attach them to the biblical passages or passage that they're really tied to um, and see where that lines up in terms of, mm -hmm. of the process of the Messiah coming. So the idea is this last Sunday when we talked about the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it's based in a time of Israel's history when they were desperately looking for a Messiah. Mm -hmm. um, now the upcoming hymns are going to represent the the next kind of phase in the process of the Messiah coming. And so I'm looking forward to those conversations. But what we talked about this week is, you know, the setting of Israel in Isaiah's day, where it was so bad, things were so evil, so dire, there was nothing on the horizon that mm -hmm. would get anybody optimistic. Um, and that's when, when the prophet Isaiah, speaking on behalf of God himself, says, you know, I'm gonna give you a sign that I'm still faithful. Yeah. I'm gonna give you a sign that my promises, which I've already given to you and declared over you, are still just as true then as they are right now, even though the circumstances are very dire. Mm -hmm. And he says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Of course, this is Jesus, and he will be called Emmanuel. Now, what's interesting is in the New Testament, you don't see that name Emmanuel. But when you see what Jesus did, when you see why he came, you're like, okay, that's why he is Emmanuel, because he will save his people from his sins. Mm -hmm. And it is the very presence of God with his people. So Jesus is the Emmanuel that, that all the people have been waiting for. Wow, I never knew that about the song. I mean, yeah. It's now we were debating this morning is it Emmanuel or Emmanuel, right? So it's Emmanuel, right? <laughs> yes, There's e there is a difference. There we go. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you had you shared some from different passages in Isaiah specifically and the prophet Isaiah, I mean, like any Old Testament prophet was not received well by the people, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's speaking on behalf of God um, to the people in a time where you mentioned King Ahaz. So, um, Isaiah chapter 7 um, you focused a little bit there and then kind of went to some other passages, but um, you shared a lot about King Ahaz. So maybe this question is more geared for you, Eric, but sure. David, I'm sure you have some answers for this, but how do you think the story of King Ahaz and God's promise of deliverance relates to current political leaders and their decisions today? I mean, it's pretty, it, it's pretty tied in together, I think, but, but tell me what you're thinking about that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a healthy thing or even a relevant thing to compare any leader that we have right now to Ahaz as a leader. I mean, yeah. um, I don't know if, if, if that's fair or even if that's helpful. But what I do think it does tell us is if you disagree with the current leadership, the decisions and policies they're making, and you say, you know what, our country is, is going literally to hell, you know, 
uh, things are getting so bad. There's no optimism. You know, faith in God is at an all time low. Mm-hmm. Then actually that is the best time for you to remind yourself of the prophecy that Isaiah gave you that, O come, O come Emmanuel. And so mm-hmm. what that does is as desperate of a time as it is, mm-hmm. you get to latch on to a promise that has become more real for you at this time in your life than ever before. And so um, you, you can disagree with our current leadership uh, and that's fine. But what you can do is, what you can also do is remind yourself that oftentimes when the world around you is at its worst, mm-hmm. that's when the promises of God become the most hopeful. Mm. And so I think this is a great time to remind yourself of that promise. Mm. Got anything to add, David? Amen. Amen, yeah. Oh, that was good. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and I, I don't necessarily think we should definitely compare, but when we come, when it comes down to it, sometimes mm. if we get wrapped up in current politics, yeah. it's going to be a lot like what the people feel like when King Ahaz was there. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like, okay, so God, please come quick. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people say now like, come Lord Jesus, come. Yeah. Like they want him to come back. Yeah. And, and I think that that is a very ever present message. So that's what I appreciate about Sunday and Isaiah is like, we could look at the Old Testament prophets and be like, oh, well, I'm just going to read the New Testament. But the reality is Isaiah is very relevant for today. Um, if you look at the climate of the last, say, five to 10 years and how progressively it's gotten more aggressive. Like people can't like people that have different viewpoints, you know? And I think I think that's a lot of what was going on yeah. even in this day. I think one um, of the things I was gonna bring up too is like, I think a lot of times we can read scripture and we're like, oh, that's a cool story. But like the these are real people that were facing that thing. And mm-hmm. so there's a sense of the importance to read this Old Testament prophecy and stuff like that because it it gives us the hope of the promise of Jesus Mm -hmm. as well in our current situation so just to kind of bring light to that like these are real people and this actually happened yeah yeah absolutely I think sometimes we can miss that I I always I always read Isaiah chapter 6 which you didn't share on Sunday but it starts with in the year that King Uzziah died and I'm like so King Uzziah was a real person. And then in the next chapter, the one that you read was mm-hmm. about the son of Uzziah, King Ahaz. Yeah. And so we have this almost genealogy of history. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to see the impact that has for generations or even thousands of years. Yep. You see you see the impact of what's happening here in present day Israel and see what ha- has happened then. So yep. yeah. um, it, just to be maybe personalize this a little bit more, the message from Sunday, I kept thinking, um, is there a time that, you, I mean you, I'm speaking to everybody, but you have struggled with the promises of God and God gave you an opportunity to overcome that doubt, like that God's promise would be fulfilled. Because I think that's something that many people that are watching are even might be there or have been there Mm. or may be there in the future. So Mm. what's the time that you struggled with the promise of God that you're like, it's just not coming when I want it to come. You're saying, oh, come and come Emmanuel, but it's not here Mm. yet. Right, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I think... In, in general, um, I, I think this is in the struggle of, of people's difficulty with sin. Mm. Um, I mean, I think in the story of Isaiah in chapter seven, the struggle was with a significant enemy of the people of God. Mm. And while we are not being invaded right now, physically speaking, uh, there is just as dangerous, perhaps even a more sinister enemy that, are, that is continuing to invade our lives. And that is, that is sin. Um, and just like, the enemies of Judah in this time in chapter seven um, destroyed so much and took so much life. Sin has the ability of stealing 
life out of us as well. Mm-hmm. And so when you realize the kind of enemy that you are coming up against in sin, it's very easy for you to, re- for you to think, uh, I-, I can't win this battle. Mm-hmm. And I hope Satan just kind of lets up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then when you go to scripture and you see some of the promises that God has given to you, some of them I referenced yeah. this weekend of, you know, in Christ, you are more than a conqueror. Mm-hmm. What does that mean if, if sin is what conquers you? And so that's a promise that you can latch a hold on to. Um, the promises of, of, of you have not been tempted um, beyond what man can bear, but he is faithful. And when you are tempted, he will provide you a way out so you can stand up underneath it. Um, the question is, what reality are you looking at? Are you looking at the reality of the circumstances around you that are trying to destroy you? Or are you looking at the promises of God that are trying to encourage you? Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's a choice that we have to make, really. But I think in yeah. general, that's one example of what I think most people mm. are struggling with mm. yeah. that um, need the promises of God. Yeah, yeah. I, agree. I think of whenever I think of uh, a time in my life when it was hard to trust the promise of God, um, there's one instance, well, two really, but, uh, that really stick out to me when I was, uh, probably in fifth or sixth grade. So this is like a long time ago. Uh, my dad lost his job and he was without work for, uh, a year the first time. And then two years later, he lost his job again and was without work for almost two years that time. And it wasn't that he was being lazy. He just literally, no one would hire him. And I remember my parents, they sat me down. We were in private education, Christian school. And they sat me down and they're like, we're going to have to move you to a public school because we can't afford a Christian school and all these things. And so I begin to, in my fifth and sixth grade mind, like, well, my parents are doing all the right things. And why would they, like, why would they be punished for being good people and sending us to a Christian, you know, all these things. Um, and so those were like really long times to trust the promises of God that he was going to be faithful, that he would provide, but he did every time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that has helped me now in seasons where financially I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I can look back at a past faithfulness of God and be like, you know what? He's going to be faithful today, even if I don't feel like it. And mm-hmm. it doesn't make the waiting any better Mm. but it gives you that hope that's right uh, yeah, yeah. that i think carries you through absolutely and so i think mm-hmm. like we always need to be challenged in our reliance yeah. on the promises of god I mean, that's why a major theme um throughout the old testament and new testament is to remember yeah i mean that whenever we do communion here yeah. uh, a major theme of that of that process is do this in remembrance of mm-hmm. me and so he's calling us to recollect uh the times mm-hmm. where he has been faithful yeah. Because if we can remind ourselves of his faithfulness in our past, then we can be more convinced he'll be, continue to be faithful in the future. Yeah. And that, that brings an incredible amount of peace mm. when you're finding yourself in a difficult time. Well, and I, I think sometimes we mistake promises and we think God's promised certain things that maybe he hasn't. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned sin earlier, and I kept thinking as both of you were talking, it's one thing to have something that's caused by you and it's a whole nother thing that happens something that happens to you like in and david when you shared your story about your dad yeah. that happened to him yeah it, it wasn't necessarily caused by him right. and so there's a lot of things that we are in the camp of 
sin and it's caused by us. And then when we have consequences, we're like, God said he promised that he wouldn't do this. It's like, yeah. wait a second. Yeah. It's actually caused by us. Yeah. Um, and so when there's confusion between those two things, I think we forget about the promises of God and what mm-hmm. they are actually is yeah. the promises are, hey, be faithful and obedient to me. And this is what's going to happen yeah. because God, God's always going to yeah. be true to his character. Yeah. Um, and I, so, so I think that's sometimes where the struggle is yeah. or, you know, the, those specific times where I can think of, um, you know, my family moved at one point, mm-hmm. my parents were unemployed. There's been different times where health issues or things that have happened. And I think God's always shown himself faithful, but I don't know if I always saw it before it happened. Mm-hmm. And sometimes God's promises don't look yeah. as we want them that's, to, or even yeah. what we're praying for. We're like, yeah. Oh, that worked out better than I thought it could. Yeah. And I think that's where the hope lies that you were describing as well is like, okay, this hope that, okay, God's promises are going to remain true. Mm. What that looks like, I don't think we always know. And that's the mystery and the wonder of the Holy Spirit. Well, I think sometimes too, we can, we can kind of, uh, I believe God still gives us like new promises and he Mm -hmm. reveals things to us through his word and through a relationship with him and through prayer. Uh, but I think sometimes we can kind of create our own promises. And so I think there's a, a balance there. Like I, f- I feel like as I talk to people, there's like, well, God promised me that, you know, this was going to be my life. And I'm like, well, did God really promise you that? Or is that just some like feeling that you have that you want? And I, I have, I struggle with that too, where it's like, you know, I feel like God has promised to, uh, maybe he's given me a vision for something that will happen in my life and something to strive for. Uh, but that doesn't always happen in my timing or how I want it to look. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to take the promises that we may see God revealing to us in our day-to-day lives and check them with scripture um, because we can get ourselves in trouble waiting on a promise that isn't even in the nature of God. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't get to make God's promises right, for him. Right. And I think we live in a day and age where a lot of people do that. I think well, so. I've yeah. never heard someone walk up to me and say, I'm going to be destitute on the street and that's what God's promised me. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's always something better than what they're at as far yeah. as finances right. or something like that. So I think I think that's where it comes into questionable water because uh, what is the best place for you at any given time? And that's really following God's promises mm-hmm. through his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter where you are or what you have. Mm-hmm. I think it's more uh, a, an opportunity to be in the presence of God and and be able to connect with God. I mean, we see that we see that in Isaiah, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot a little bit because we're, we're around Christmas, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is all about Christmas. Absolutely. So I'm not going to sing any songs because david will do that we would probably just walk off if you did i know actually it'd be like a it'd be like a walk off hail mary in a football game right you know you just leave <laughs> no i don't sing that well so you wouldn't be you wouldn't be pre- you wouldn't be singing uh celebration songs afterwards but um what do you guys think the significance of the specific timing emmanuel coming so jesus of his birth in relation to god's promises throughout all history okay why did jesus come when he came because I mean, he wanted to. Okay, that's a good one. But I, I think there is that's about I, the biggest I, cop out answer. I think there is some ans- I think there is some answers to oh, yeah. this. Oh, yeah. what, why do you think Jesus? What's the significance of him coming when he came? What was so important about that time? Mm-hmm. Well, Scripture is pretty clear in the New Testament. It says that Christ died for us at just the right time, and mm-hmm. I think it was the convergence of so many historical um, uh, uh, markers. Mm-hmm. 
that it was the right preparation time for the Old Testament to simmer long enough so that people's hearts and minds would be ready for the Messiah. But at the same time, it came so that from his um, coming on, uh, it would be the most widespread. And so it's, it's, it's no coincidence that the greatest uh, road system ever developed up until that time was the Roman road system. And if you look at the way that the church took the gospel throughout the entire known world at that time, it was primarily on the Roman highway system. Mm -hmm. um, it would have been far less reached if it was before that time. Mm -hmm. It was also at a time where the Roman empire had expanded more than any other time or uh, in, in history. And so the ability to travel through the Roman empire with the gospel um, made it easier to travel. So, I mean, those are just two very small ways that, that it was the right time mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. Jesus to come. I mean, we still live right now off of, off of the timing system, off the calendar of the Roman Empire. And those might not be legitimate things, but it, there's a lot of tiny things that lend themselves to yeah. that reason. So David, do you want to revise your answer? I just, I, I laugh at your answer. So I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Cause he I mean, he had some to. logical, well, like, I'm like, well, Eric's well, become well, an I engineer. Mean, like, Did you honestly, hear that? That's like honestly, logical like, answers. My, my brain doesn't work the way his does. So <laughs> I'm like, he's God. He decided it was the perfect time. He knew yeah. that. Uh, and I think well, there's there's there were a lot of moments that he could have come. Yeah. But I think like Eric said, like he knew the right time to be able to make the gospel go forth as uh, quicker than it could have had he come back or come, you know, earlier. Well, and, and one of the things I think is important, sometimes people have said, oh, it's because the Romans were subjugating the Jews mm. and like it was the right time for them to get delivered, yep. let's say. But I, I, I find that hard to believe because if you look at the exile, you look at <laughs> the Babylonian exile, you look at what happened with Daniel and you look at the different... Um, periods mm. of the history. Well, why didn't he come back before the Exodus? Why didn't he, I mean, like yeah. all those things that the Jews went through um, so many times where they were enslaved to other peoples. It's like the Romans. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not saying it wasn't bad. It just wasn't like right. out of the norm. And you look well, at history yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, why didn't Jesus come back like during the Holocaust and right. save all the Jews? Like, right. I mean, there's so many different things that could have happened. Yeah. So well, I was going to um, say that's, that's the reminder for us now. It's like, there's so many points throughout history that Jesus could have returned a second time, but he hasn't yet. Why? And I think like we have to be careful to like, I don't know. No, when, yeah, well, like it's a, it says that the, even the son won't know when he's going right, to come back. Yeah. So I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> so we can't know that. And I think like Eric, you mentioned, I think a couple uh, weeks ago, uh, like maybe Jesus wants everyone to be reached with the gospel. Like maybe his heart is actually grace towards all these people. And he's actually delaying his return because he cares just as much about the loss as he does those who have found him. Mm -hmm. And so why would we want to rush yeah. that? Like yeah. mm -hmm. that, okay, yeah. okay, Emmanuel, yeah. Absolutely. So, so I've got my own thoughts on this, this question, but I think this is something that um, all of us can somewhat interact with and identify with. So when you were, when you're talking about the sermon, you, you did talk about, um, promises and like how God's promises remain true. So in what ways do you think modern society either cultivates or detracts from our trust in God's promises? Does it cultivate it or does it detract or does it both? I mean, how does it do that? Let me, let me give you an example. I'll throw one out there because you guys are both looking at me like, what the heck is that question? <laughs> um, the the way that things are advertised in our culture is you need this because your life will be better. Yep. 
So what that's doing is that's detracting from the promises of God because it's saying you need something other than God mm-hmm. to be whole. Mm-hmm. So that's just a simple way of yeah. like putting it. But what what are some ways that maybe it cultivates or maybe it detracts? I mean, are there some other ways that you guys can think of? Well, I think in our in our culture, like you said, there's a lot of like Jesus and like will make you happy or Jesus mm-hmm. and will you know, so satisfy all of your desires, even in some churches, it seems that way. So I think that dis, that detracts from the true promises of Jesus because the promises of Jesus are Jesus. Like that's all you need. That's the promise. Um, I don't know. I don't, I think there's a lot of things that distract from the promises of Jesus, especially in our American culture. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Jesus or the New Testament addresses this. I mean, one of the passages is, you know, seek first his kingdom um, and his righteousness. And then all these other things, the things that you desperately Mm -hmm. need in life will be given to you. Um, And I think, I think we have discovered that in each of our own Mm -hmm. lives. It's, it's as we try to do, to follow him with faithfulness and integrity, um, you just look back on your life and you realize, man, he has provided for us in ways that we didn't expect. Yeah. Uh, he has afforded us opportunity that we could not have afforded ourselves. And so the more that you continue to seek him first, the more your eyes become open to his promises fulfilled in your life. And so when he does say in scripture, um, you are worth far more than the sparrows and I take care of the sparrows. You are worth far more than the lilies mm-hmm. of the field and look how I dress them. Mm-hmm then you realize, okay, now I see how he takes care of us uh, so diligently. It doesn't mean that he gives us what we want because often what we want would be more detrimental to ourselves than we realize. What he does do is he gives us everything that we need. And in a lot of ways, he gives us a lot of things that we want uh, because he loves to be a good father that loves to give his kids a good gift. Um, And so I I think it really boils down to what voices are you listening to? Mm-hmm. If you listen to voices that are continuing to preach this message of, you know, God's this controlling God that just wants to hold you down, then then you're going to think his promises are a waste of time. Mm-hmm. But if you realize, oh man, I see what he's doing in my life because mm-hmm. I'm keeping my eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, then you see his promises become a reality more and more. So basically what you're saying is culture does not cultivate it. It detracts because it's oh, yeah. got all these other idols, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so the only thing I can think of, and maybe this is like the flip side of it is once you go down the rabbit hole and you seek after those other things, mm-hmm. you'll actually cultivate a desire for the promise of God because you'll find these false promises that doesn't satisfy you. So um, I, I would hope that my children and my children's children and my children's children and generations to come would not have to go through the maybe the pain and the sorrow that I've experienced in life to come to where I'm at. Mm. But I know that's not always true. And so that's kind of what um, I think that, that O come Emmanuel in Isaiah, and now you look at the promise, that's hundreds of years later. I mean, I don't know if you actually said that in the sermon, but I thought hundreds of years later is when God fulfilled that promise. And there are generations that went through, we're still singing that, we're still saying that, we still want him to come. So Mm -hmm. Um, you you tied into some very deep theology, but maybe, maybe, I, I, I don't know on Sunday, I was like, Oh, he just said it. He just said already, but not yet. Uh, uh, maybe we can unpack that a little bit. <laughs> can you elaborate on that already, but not yet reality um, and how it plays into our understanding of God's promises? Because it's already, but it's not yet. Mm. You know, like I think of it like mm. Jesus is already the king of a kingdom, but it's also not yet. He's not physically back to reign in that kingdom as I see in Revelation. Yeah, right, right. So it... 
it, it all depends on how much you really believe what he says. So mm-hmm. uh, when he says that on the cross, I have conquered sin and death, mm-hmm. that's a promise. Uh, when he says that we are more than conquerors, that's a promise. Mm-hmm. So it's a promise that's already been declared over us. However, the struggle against sin is still mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't mean that we get to let our guard down now because the Bible is mm-hmm. also very clear to put on the full armor of God so we can take our stand against the devil and his schemes. So there's a promise of a reality that I am not seeing as wishful thinking. I'm not saying I hope this promise comes true. It's I know it is is it a reality. It's just not yet in my hands. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the best analogy story I have for this is what really happened to the Israelites um, during the Exodus. And mm-hmm. I, read, I mentioned this in, during the message, but it's the idea that God promised them the promised land. It was yeah. in their hands. Mm-hmm. It's, they just hadn't stepped foot into it yet. And I think that's a great example of it, that even though God promises us something, it's an already reality, mm-hmm. but there has to be some character development some pruning, mm-hmm. some um, integrity development, mm-hmm. so that when we finally receive that promise, we have the ability to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's an entire generation of Israelites that had to pass away mm-hmm. before they could step foot in the promised land, because that entire generation you know, said, hey, I remember the food that we ate in yeah. Egypt. I remember the beds and mm-hmm. the houses, whatever they said, mm-hmm. you know, let's go back because we don't like the desert right now. Yeah. And if that generation went into the promised land, even though they had the promise, they would have brought Egypt into the promised land. And there's, there's no room for Egypt in the promised land. Mm-hmm. So in the in-between time of the already not yet, mm-hmm. it's not like you're just sitting there waiting. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sit there and twiddle your thumbs. Mm-hmm. It's what is God trying to do in me yeah. to prepare me to handle the promise that he has already mm-hmm. given to mm-hmm. me. And, and that's, a, that's a hard reality. Yeah. Um, to embrace for some of us. There, there's, there's a transition that you kind of mentioned mm-hmm. I, and you, you may not even caught it, okay? Because I, I caught it right away. You said, I know the promises of God are true. And I, I remember being in court once. I worked in social work and I was in court and there's this judge high at the top, like way taller than me. They're in this huge bench, right? And I was testifying about something and I said, I think this is true. I think this is true. I think this is true. And this judge scared me so much and was like, do you know it's true or do you think it's true? And I was like, I know it's true. Like, like <laughs> it's, it, I think we get to a faith point where we either, we either say, I know God's promises are true now. I know Jesus is coming back. I know that he's promised things now that may be fulfilled later, mm-hmm. but I know it versus I just, you know, I, I, I think Jesus said that. I think, you know, the promises of God are true. And then we kind of waffle a little bit. I think there's this faith moment, especially with what you're talking, where it's like, I know it's true. I'm going to live as if it's true because this is true in my life. I know now. Right. Yeah. David, do you have anything to add to that? I, no, I thought, I thought that was <laughs> a great summary. <laughs> so so uh, there's, there's some things that I think... Um, maybe make it more difficult to see God's promises. And um, on Sunday, I I love how you challenge us to um, essentially cry out to God. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Like if you're in that moment in your life. And so um, I think there's probably some people watching that have had some type of personal trauma or difficult experiences um, that affect our ability to trust in God's promises. Like God, why moments. what do you What do you guys have to say to that person? I mean, I I've been there before, um, 
And how can we work through that? Like, how can we work through those moments? Uh, I would start by saying, learn to take the long view of reality. Uh, and often mm-hmm. we want to uh, inject God's promises uh, into our immediate circumstances. Uh, mm-hmm. God is saying, it's not that I'm not there with you, but I've got the long view. And I can see how this moment, as unpreferable as it is to you right now, is playing into a larger scheme um, so that uh, I fulfill the promises at the right time in the right way in the right place. And I mean, just like you, I've been through several experiences in my life where I'm thinking, you know what, is God's promise is really true because it doesn't feel like it right now. Um, but, but that, it shouldn't surprise us that he operates that way. Mm-hmm. Because when, when we have a baby, that baby um, goes through experiences, especially after birth, where you wonder, uh, is it survivable? I mean, with, without, without the presence of mom and dad, that baby will not survive. And yet the baby cries all the time, even though mom and dad is there. Mm-hmm. So in the mind of the baby, it might be thinking, um, I'm uncomfortable right now. I'm dissatisfied. Why is my needs being taken care of? And yet mm-hmm. both mom and dad are thinking, no, we've got you covered. Yeah. It's only when the baby grows up and realizes, okay, mom and dad was there the entire time, mm-hmm. protecting, providing, um, mm-hmm. whatever. And I think that's sometimes perhaps what we need to do. We take the long view and say, even though it doesn't feel like it right now, mm-hmm. God is there. He is providing, he is protecting, he is mm-hmm. shepherding, uh, even if we can't see it in the moment. Wow. I'm looking at David again. That's good. No, I think that's a great way to view it. I think um, there's there's been s- moments in my life where I've had the why God moments. Yeah. But because I could look back and remember, mm-hmm. I think it's provided me uh, stability that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. But I understand that there's a lot of people who may not have the view of the past faithfulness of God. Like I I know some of my relatives, there've been some things that have happened that are why moments. Mm -hmm. They're not questioning God. They're questioning the universe. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so it's really hard to be able to say like, but I see, I see the glimmers of hope in this and Mm -hmm. what God is doing in you. Uh, and I don't know how I would answer that person, honestly, because there's, there's, they would look back over their life and say like, well, it's just been a mess. Like there is no faithfulness of God. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think for those of us who do believe in Jesus, in the faithfulness of God, that's the importance of being present with people who maybe don't have that view because we can help them see. Mm-hmm in those moments. Mm-hmm. Well, so there, there's a lot, a lot to unpack with this because I don't think we ha- can have all the answers, right? right. When we have God, yeah. why God moments, like every circumstance is yeah. going to be different. But I think there's something that you have said and you have said now that I think is really important. The word remember, mm-hmm. yeah. you mentioned how much it's used. Um, in the Old Testament, <laughs> the, the Hebrew word is zakar. I read a whole book and basically it was all about the worship in the Old Testament. And the whole point of the whole book was every time they say remember, mm-hmm. it's remembering the promises of God, remembering the faithfulness of God, remember, don't forget it. Um, and I think there's a, there is a little bit of a struggle there because when you encounter moments that don't match up with what you think God's faithfulness is going to be. Mm-hmm. And so let's, let's like unpack that a little bit because David, you brought up a good point. Like, what do you say to someone that maybe they don't see the mm-hmm. faithfulness of God? Um, I think there's some people in our midst, probably at Brookside, that are people that 
didn't see the faithfulness of God for years. And now looking back, because they're starting to see God's promises in a different light from reading yep. scripture, from hearing uh, God's word preached, mm-hmm. are now finally seeing, oh, God actually was faithful. Yeah, You know, I might've got in that car accident, so this didn't happen. Yeah. I might've had this happen to my life and I it could have been much worse. You know, and, and having that perspective. So how do we how do we shift our perspective? Maybe if we need to, like maybe there's someone that's going, I'm just discovering God's faithfulness. What do we yeah. say to them? Well, I, fi- I find it interesting as you were saying that, I think uh, one of the ways that maybe people can begin to see the faithfulness of God without maybe even calling it the faithfulness of God. Like we're in this holiday season where there's Thanksgiving, Christmas. I think around this time, a lot of people are kind of looking back over their mm-hmm. life and they're like, what am I thankful for? Like, oh, I remember as a kid, you know, whatever Christmas things. So I think there's an element of like gratitude of, re- of even remembering like mm-hmm. childhood around this time of year that- That we wanted be- a Red Ryder BB gun. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> right. But I think that, that could play into maybe some of those conversations uh, with people that are struggling with that is like, well, let's, let's look back and remember like, what, what are you thankful for in your life? And that can begin to be a trigger of like, oh, yeah, I'm thankful that people showed up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful that I was able to be with mm-hmm. grandma on her deathbed or whatever that, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so many things that could be brought to light there mm-hmm. that could help us maybe see mm-hmm. that a little yeah, better. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think remembering with gratitude is a critical part of it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why... Um, when Jesus teaches us to pray, one of the places in the New Testament we are taught to pray is to pray thanksgiving. Yeah. Always be thankful. Yeah. Expressing, I mean, if you have requests, present your requests to God, right? Mm-hmm. But do it with thankfulness. Yeah. And I think if you just present request, request, request without any sense of gratitude, mm-hmm. then then you can easily slip into a mentality of, of God, I just need you to do this for me and I'm gonna manipulate your time and your power. But when you just remember with thankfulness, mm-hmm. then it puts his power, his providence in perspective. And now it adjusts or modifies your request. It, it's, it's almost like childlike thankfulness though. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I think of my four-year-old, <laughs> he starts every prayer the same way. He goes, God, thank you for the day. Yep. Yes. And I'm like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm like <laughs> yeah. thank you for the day. I don't even know that's proper grammar, but Jesus accepts that, you know, thank you for the day. Um, as we are, completely unpacking these these hymns and these Christmas songs. I guess they're not really their hymns. I don't know. They're hymns, Christmas songs. Christmas hymns. Christmas hymns. I don't know. Christmas songs. I'll just put it that way. Um, I keep I keep thinking I keep thinking about God's promises in real time. So like some some are watching and they heard the sermon on Sunday and they're like, I've been crying out to God for a long time time. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're struggling with the timing of God's promises. Yeah. So how does this idea of, um, you kind of, I mean, you said this on Sunday and I was a little bit taken aback at the direction you went, but the idea of asking God to prove his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you said that, and then I was like, Oh, I hope he's going somewhere here instead of just saying, name it, claim it, you know, like, or something like that. You weren't uh, going there, not us, huh? but, but but how does God prove his faithfulness in real time? And, and what's the concept of trusting the timing of God versus what we think God's timing should be? Like what, how do we, how do we stay faithful in the meantime? You know, like when we're waiting years, maybe yeah, you, for- Yeah, you can't brute force your will to do that. 
I don't think we have the capacity to do that. However, that is in the capacity of the Holy Spirit, which is why the New Testament is clear that when we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. And then as a result of that, uh, spiritual fruit come from that. When Paul writes his letter, he describes what that fruit is. One of them is, uh, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience. And so part of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to take on this patience mentality because just as you know, uh, the Holy Spirit knows that sometimes uh, our timing is not his timing. Yeah. And so when it feels like he's taking too long or lingering too long with his promises, the Holy Spirit reminds you, be mm-hmm. patient. And he encourages you to do that. One of, the, one of the ways that God proves his faithfulness is by, is by developing this patience inside of you mm-hmm. that when people say, why are you so patient? I mean, you're like, I don't know. I just am. I just, I just yeah. I'm just going to trust him. And I think that's, that's part of it. So it's got to be through the Holy Spirit, or I don't think any of us would last. Yeah. To, Dave, he just said the Holy Spirit. I feel like that's, that's the like answer. The, that's I don't know if you can answer, answer any other. I think, I think, I think there's, one, uh, there's one thing that I've realized, and that's prayer. Yeah. And that, that's also the power of the Holy Spirit. But I've, I've noticed that uh, it's easier to embrace the in-between when you're able to partner in prayer with somebody who understands, who has lived the in-between is on the, and is on the other side of the promise, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we, we have these prayer gatherings uh, on Sunday nights and uh, this past one, there was someone who's waiting a diagnosis for cancer and mm-hmm. somebody who has conquered that, or at least in the, in, in the meantime is dealing with it well. And so to have that person pray for the person who's in the midst of the pain of whatever they're dealing with, mm-hmm. like there's a sense of God's faithfulness that is mm-hmm. then built up because as a community, we're saying like, I've lived that and I know God is faithful. And yeah, it doesn't fix your situation, but your testimony of God's faithfulness then encourages me to look forward to the promise. Not that he's going to heal me the same way he healed you, but it is going to give me a hope that he's still faithful. He's still healing. He's still providing. And that, that can definitely build us up. Yeah, absolutely. One, th- one thing you said there, it just like latched onto every painful experience that I've experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. God has used later for me to speak into other people's lives. Yeah. So like, if you look at it from that perspective, yeah. the promises of God are sometimes fulfilled because there's, there's sin, death and destruction. And that's from us. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not from him. Yeah. And some of the pain we experience is, I mean, all of it is not from him. The pain is because of that. Yeah. And so, but those things, God can show himself faithful because our painful experiences can become an opportunity for God to show himself faithful in our darkest moments, you might say, or our deepest, like why God moments. And when God shows up in the why God moment, they can, you know, you can have that yeah. cancer diagnosis, post-cancer, yeah. all this all this different stuff going on. And that's a great opportunity to encourage and, and uh, build each other up. So I kind of I kind of want to close with this. We've talked a lot about God's promises. And um, we talked about uh, how Emmanuel came at the right time. Um, I, love, I love what you said about that, the historical significance of that time period, um, the fact that the gospel was able to be spread quickly. I mean, I don't know what Jesus, if he's here right now, if he came back, like imagine how quickly it would go on social media, right? Or something like that. Like just how the gospel has, has gone out. Um, can, can you share some examples 
from your own experience of how God's faithfulness and promises have been faithful, even when it's uncertain and difficult? Like, where has God been faithful in your life when there's a lot of uncertainty and difficulty? That's very specific. I'm not, yeah. like, like, I think of it like this. Um, I, I tend to think, and, and I would say this personally, like, I would rather know what's wrong than not know what's wrong. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, like if you go to the doctor and they're like, oh, we're going to do a ton of tests. And I've had a couple experiences like that recently. I'm like, can you just tell me what's wrong with me? I'm okay with something being wrong if yep. I know what it is. And, and so in those moments of uncertainty and difficulty, how, how have you guys experienced God's faithfulness and promises even in those moments? Yeah, I mean, the most glaring, glaring one for me is what happened recently with the discovery of uh, some calcium buildup in an artery in my heart, yeah. uh, which is of the four arteries that go in and out of your heart, it's, it's the widow maker, the one you don't want any plaque or calcium buildup at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it wasn't for just a, a, a casually scheduled uh, doctor's appointment where they did a CT scan of my heart, I would have never known. I, I was completely asymptomatic and still am. Um, but that CT scan revealed something that if, mm-hmm. if we didn't have it, I would have lived decades perhaps without even knowing. Mm-hmm. And that's when it would have been perhaps too mm-hmm. late. And so I'm, even though I didn't want to hear that news, <laughs> yeah. even though that's, no, nobody wants to hear, on the other side of that initial despair, whenever you get that news, uh, I settled more into a sense of gratitude where mm-hmm. I was grateful that God's sovereignty uh, allowed for the appointment and the technology to discover those things so that I can take steps now before it becomes such a dire circumstance later mm-hmm. on to prevent that. And so um, I mean, a couple passages that has just started ringing in my mind because of that experience is um, uh, for when you are weak, then, you, then he is strong. Yeah. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that that of all the other things in my life that I have to depend on him for to sustain me, my salvation, um, marriage, those things, now my health is just one more thing Mm -hmm. that he needs to sustain, which is actually the best place to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. when you realize that he is sovereign and he is gracious in in every area of your life, now you can surrender it to him. Mm -hmm. um, And everything surrendered to him is the most blessed place to be. Mm -hmm. So, even though I wish there wasn't any calcium buildup in my yeah. mm-hmm. arteries, I'm grateful for how he is sustaining me and protecting me in the process so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think of one for us recently, um, it's more of a financial one, but I think that we, well, I know we've, we've had a lot of house problems with our basement <laughs> and things like that. And it's a huge financial undertaking, but we have to do it to keep our house it's the foundation (laughs) it's the foundation we have to do it and early on i i really wrestled with like why did you leave it lead us to this house because i feel like god like opened the door for this house at just the time we were looking for it it was on the market just the right amount of days for us to get it you know all these things and we felt like that was the, the hand of god and then it's like okay so now we're two years into owning this house and everything's falling apart like why would you do this to us that's like my flesh, you know? Um, but it's been one of the most, uh, humbling things to experience because it's made me look at my finances in a different way and look at where I'm spending money and how I'm spending money and things like that. But also to see how God's showed up in different people, just like randomly 
giving us gifts that like meet bills and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're still living in the pain of having this thing, but at the same time, I'm looking at the last year and I'm like, how does that make sense? Like God is so good, even though some days it doesn't feel like he's there, but then you get a call from somebody and they're like, Hey, somebody covered that for you. And I'm like, wait, what? How does that make sense? I didn't tell anybody about that. Um, that's been honestly one of the coolest things, Mm -hmm. um, to live in the, the tension of the promise of God's faithfulness. Sometimes I think we, we fight against being put in the position where God has to show himself faithful. Yeah. So we say, okay, I'm going to, you know, as you're describing your situation is like, well, I'm going to make sure that all this works out and all my ducks are in a row. And then God's like, well, no, this is not even going to work if you get all your ducks in a row, right? Let me me take that a step further, right? So we we take on the basement project and I do some video work on the side uh, to supplement income. And so when we took out the loan for the basement, it was like, okay, well, I'm going to commit to shooting X amount of weddings a year. This is going to pay for the basement and blah, blah, blah. Guess what? All the weddings dried up for me. (laughs) And they still have. I mean, I get inquiries and like nothing's happening. So that, like what you're saying, I'm living that. Like, it's like, well, I'm going to get my ducks in a row so that I can take care of this thing. And it's almost like a sense of humor of God to be like, ah, you got to rely just, on me. <laughs> just make a little more reliance. And it it's a weird place to be in, but it's it's such a good place to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, True. Good question. Good yeah. Question. Well, I hope that you are encouraged that God's promises remain true and faithful in this Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just for Christmas, but it's the whole year round um, and for the rest of your life. And so we are definitely excited to continue this series. Um, I'm, I'm wondering all the songs that we're going to cover. I'm like so excited for next week. So um, if you have been following us and watching Church Unscripted every week, please like and subscribe um, down below. Um, comment. Um, if you have questions maybe about some of the things that, that we um, talked about, comment below and send those com- or put those comments below to us. Um, we're thankful that you're watching every week and we'll see you next week.